Welcome to the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, where I dive in deeper into holistic health and fitness topics that will help you stay inspired, motivated, and dedicated to living a purposeful fit life while pursuing for the Akhirah. Right, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, and welcome, guys, to the very first episode. I will start this time with a dua, a pray, a supplication, excuse me, that Prophet Musa, Moses alayhi salam, made when he was told to approach the Pharaoh. And I'll tell you why I'm starting this with the dua. Rabbi ishrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa min lisani yafqahu qawli. Oh Allah. Lighten up my chest, make it easy on me to speak. Oh my gosh, and help my tongue to speak up more and make it easy for me. Why did I start this dua? Oh my gosh, this is probably my 20th, 100th time trying to record the first episode. It's so hard for some reason, and usually the first is the hardest, and I'm done re recording again. So this is it. No more. <laughs> editing inshallah no more stop and then re-record the reason why it's so hard first i obviously was trying to find my perfect voice uh connection to my mic and then second it's so hard to talk about the issues that i'm about to talk about such as my suicidal thoughts attempts my anxiety my depression all that stuff it's i've been talking about it over my social media right but then when it comes to speaking up about it through vocally for some reason it's so much more harder but it's so real and the topics are so real and that's why i believe it's an obligation for me to talk about it inshallah so are you guys ready let's do this we got this who am i to begin with i am an a certified personal trainer and a functional fitness specialist I work out and I train at George Mason University. I teach group fitness classes there at the moment. And inshallah, I'll be able to offer more classes. And I also launched my own business in April 2018, where I train one-on-one clients and do online training currently with the Ramadan prep program. So I do work as a trainer and a group instructor at the moment at George Mason University and through my business. I graduated from George Mason University with a BS in biology and a health promotion minor. I never ever in my li- in my life imagined that I did be working in a fitness industry as an actual job and as an actual profession and make a living out of it. Subhanallah. We all have situations or we all have doors in our life closed or closing and we're like why is this happening to us and like so annoyed and you're so frustrated but it's actually like a sign you're that you're you should redirect yourself look for something else and i know a lot of people say oh but it's like the universe telling you to look somewhere else or what have you and that brings me to say that i am an arab syrian american muslim and that's actually part of my story because my faith my religion and my culture all plays a role into my upbringing and mental health issues especially so let's do this you guys as a personal trainer obviously i deal with fitness i deal with like working out staying active being fit all that stuff but what if i told you that i was this person that i used to be 
at age 13 of not liking my body, not liking the way I look. I used to talk so negative to myself about my body, about no one liking me, about that I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough. And I'm so grateful that I have my journals, my diaries until this day because I was able to retrieve them and read them, read through them, find out at exactly what age when I had these thoughts, what age I had these issues at home or these issues in my life. And I'm able to have more accurate information and be more real and be more open. But at the same time, I will do my best to be personal, to keep my personal life personal privately. But at the same time, be honest and real. Because on social media, we see a lot of happiness. We see a lot of like perfection, quote unquote editing and what have you but in reality we don't see what this person is going through behind the screen or what this person is going or has gone through in the past and that's why it's an obligation for me to speak up so at age 13 I actually so we my parents and I am the only child by the way so in 2001 we immigrated from Syria Damascus to United States and we have been here since then we've used to go back to visit until the lovely incidents started happening in my country. I haven't been there since 2008. And when I came here at age 11, I didn't like my body that much. So at age 13, it's it all started when I had negative talking to myself. For example, that no one likes me. There's nothing working. As in like nothing is working in terms of losing weight. There is no guy that would like me. Like at age 13. Oh my goodness. I can't believe that. But... You know, when you're young, sometimes you're young, you do dumb things, peer pressure. And then as you enter high school, hormonal changes start to happen and all that stuff, right? It's just part of a human being. So I was really desperate to lose weight at any cost. And one of my lovely friends at that time told me about this lovely idea of throwing up, aka bulimia. Quote, a quick fix on how to lose weight. She said, oh my gosh, Allah, why don't you just throw up, let the food out of your body and ta-da, no calories to worry about, none of that stuff. You're good to go. And you might be thinking, what in the world are you talking about? You're so dumb. You're so crazy to do that, to believe in her. And yeah, I am crazy. I was 13 years old. Yeah, of course I was crazy. I wasn't thinking straight and I was so desperate for anything. So I felt for it and I acted upon it and I don't know if you know this so with bulimia purging to throw up so we throw up sometimes just out of like sickness or whatever but if you're forcing yourself to do it which I am not saying here that you should go ahead and do it but to do it you put your two fingers literally into your down to your throat to vomit to allow the purging vomit to come out for the food to come out and I know this sounds so disgusting, but I want to make it real so you guys can understand the reality of what this person is going through when they're committing the bulimic act. So I started doing that at age 13-ish around that time. And as I mentioned, I'm the only child, so there were no siblings to talk to except for my parents. And there is somewhat an age gap between us. So I did feel... See, you see, my relationship with my parents, alhamdulillah, is a good one. I'm very, very open with my mom. She knows every single detail about my life. And I do about her as well. There's no hidden secrets. It's an open relationship, alhamdulillah. So at age 13, I would go in the bathroom. I finished eating with my parents. Then I would go inside. I would vomit, let the food out, and come out like nothing has happened. 
At the beginning, it was obviously hidden until my mom noticed there's something wrong in the toilet, there's something wrong in the sink, and I'm acting weird. So I was caught one day and I felt so embarrassed, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in trouble right now. But alhamdulillah, like, she didn't yell at me. You know, we talked about it and that's that. However, I couldn't keep my promise to my mom. I went back to it over and over and over, on and off. And we need to understand what is going on with this person's mind. So for me personally, I had the mindset of guilt, the mindset of shame, the mindset of I'm, I'm ugly, I just want to like shit is fat off. I'm 5'1", so I'm a little short. And when you're kind of a little short and you have a little bit of fat around you, you kind of look chubby and that's my situation. And I'm still 5'1", so sad, but that's that. And when we came to this country at 2001, I did not join any sports teams because we didn't really know about the whole travel team system. Maybe we did, but I never signed up. I was participating at local masjid, mosque, but there were no sports really, just like the whole Girl Scout things, but not very much activities, like fitness-wise. I'm so grateful that at age six, I started swimming. So my parents put me in a private swim school. In Damascus series, I learned how to swim at a young age, and I kept up with it and since since then. So when we came here, no sports in middle school, but in high school, I thought, okay, you know, tryouts, like sports teams, they're free. You know, when, he, when a lot of parents like, oh, just do anything for free, don't spend too much money. So I thought, okay, cool, you know, high school sports teams are for free. I can be active with everyone else and hopefully lose the weight. I didn't realize how hard the tryouts would be. My mom... She actually was my inspiration for volleyball. She did volleyball in her high school days too. She actually participated in an international tournament in Egypt, which is so cool. Her sister and both of them, my aunt and my mom, which is so cool. So she's like, yeah, just try out for volleyball. You know, it'll be fun. So I did. And we had to run the bleachers a lot. And around the track, obviously, I was super, super sore. I was deconditioned, so I didn't make the team. Then in 10th grade, I believe, I tried out for tennis and I didn't make it. And then in 11th grade, you'll find out I made it into the track and field. So when I didn't make it into freshman year, volleyball team, I said, okay, whatever, like I'm done with this whole sports, maybe I'll try next year. And I was really desperate to lose weight. I tried to go to the gym because we used to live in an apartment at that time. So the apartment had a free gym, a mini gym, obviously, with some basic equipment such as a treadmill. So I would I would do that and, and what have you. And at age 15, I took a couple of words out of my diary and I wrote, in, I wrote in 2005 that deep inside I feel dead. I had so many tears, like negative pictures. I used to draw a lot, but I'm not an artist, just draw my feelings. And then I wrote in age 16, I wrote that I have become friends with the food. I just want to lose 22 pounds. I'm like addicted to food. I just want to get that six-pack. Like, you guys, age 15, 16, I want to get that six-pack. Like, wow. But these are the realities of a lot of kids because what we see on TV, we think it's the perfect body. And I used to visit Syria almost every summer. And in my country, we look... I mean, even here, any country, to be honest, you know, we look at the whole body from the outside. That a skinny person, for example, or someone who looks beautiful in physique shape that that's the way to have a happy life or that's the way to look pretty in outfits and what have you and I was struggling with that a lot because I wanted to be like a lot of girls who had attention from guys especially like in high school 
I wanted the attention of the guys at that time. And I thought the only way to get attention is obviously to look beautiful, to put some makeup on. I'm not a huge makeup person, but, you know, just seeing around me. I would, and I'd be like, but I want to be like them. I want to be like those girls who look like they had it all from the outside. Obviously, I don't know their, their home situations, but that's how I perceived happiness, success, and what have you. Then in 10th grade, we had after school hours in Starbucks with my math teacher, and I felt really comfortable to tell her about my situation. So obviously she told my counselor about my bulimic episodes, and obviously my counselor, I think at that time, suggested like a therapist or whatever. I can't remember the details. All I remember, the feelings of guilt and shame that, oh my god, I I actually saw it's like a counselor talk about this. I'm not supposed to be talking to a counselor or a therapist or professional about my issues that is going on at home because I came from the mindset of what happens at home must stay at home and no one needs to find out. It's to be solved within the family, within the inner circles. No one needs to know like really about it. Like there is that stigma attached to it. So I said, okay, I won't do it again. Thank you for your help and whatnot. Then in 11th grade, I decided to take AP biology class in advanced placement. And that class really inspired me to obviously major in biology. But it actually also brought that whole spiritual enlightenment inside. Because obviously we say the whole evolution, molecular level, cells, mitochondria, all this little fun biology stuff. And... Like I said, I wasn't super practicing Muslim, but I did have somewhat influence around me, such as my parents, like they're practicing minimally. I've had few friends when I used to go back to Syria. My grandma, for example, you know, who's also part of my story in episode two, used to pray, used to remind me to go pray, but prayers were not on top of my priority. And none of Islamic practice was like a priority for me. It's just like a side thing. So then AP Biology came and I started questioning myself questioning like the creation of life and evolution to me was a very interesting concept because I did buy in the whole concept of evolution how we evolved how we all came together how life came about but I knew that there is a god behind it like there is some power behind it that it's not just a big bang theory that just bam we're here just like that like I knew there is someone out there like a higher being obviously Allah that the whole thing got created that was the I guess the journey of my spiritual awakening and then it was the physical success of finally participating in a sports team in high school and you guys I know you can't see what I'm wearing right now but I'm actually wearing my track and field uniform my hoodie they still fit me like 10 years ago so I finally made it into track and field because there are no cutouts like everyone makes a team so junior year I did sprinting and senior year I did track and um excuse me I did long distance and I still have my cleats too it's so funny but that's what actually grew my passion for running and I still love until this day agility training drills speed work power all of it it's my favorite stuff so I was really really happy that I was finally part of something to participate in to be an ambassador for my school but my struggles with body image didn't go away my struggles with bulimia didn't go away. And throughout the whole high school time, when I did kind of give up on the whole co- of throwing up, I would then turn to food. So the days when I didn't throw up, I'd be like, okay, fine. I'll just overeat because I felt really con- really guilty. So again, let me just rem- remind you. People with bulimia that I have experienced in myself, I've had pain in my like knuckles on my hands. I've had pain in my throat i've had pain in my mind telling me like what did i just do and i'd be like my hands i would look at it after like throwing up and i'm like 
like my hand what did i just do to it like why did you do this to myself like i would look at it and blame it and be angry at it and have that conscious feeling that it's gonna be it's gonna speak against me one day you know it sounds so weird but i've had all these thoughts so i guess that's a spiritual part about it then at age 17 i even told myself like it's okay if you're fat and subhanallah i have the date written out it's so funny january 26 2008 i remember this so well too even in my memory it's stuck in my memory i had really really dry lips at that time they were so dry that even if i were to smile they would crack and bleed that's how bad it was so obviously we had to go to the family doctor and the family doctor did a test on me she was american pakistani doctor and after the test results came out, obviously I was losing a lot of minerals. And that's when I told my mom in Arabic that I'm sorry, but I actually been throwing up for the past three days. And we had to tell the doctor. And the doctor said, oh my gosh, yes, that explains to you results. You need to see a psychologist and all that stuff. So I, and then she, obviously there was like a kind of like a look at me, like I'm a bad person. At least that's how I felt from the way I was, the way she looked at me. So when we left the doctor's visit, I recall telling my mom, like, so mad, obviously, I said, we're never going to talk to anyone about it. I don't want to seek a psychologist. We don't have to see one. I, I can do this myself. I'll just keep working on myself. No need for a professional help and what have you, because there was that stigma attached to it at that time. Even, like, I had that stigma attached to it in myself. Like, I thought, just because the way I'm brought up, like, we're not supposed to see a, a therapist. If in Arabic, we say aib, which is, like, taboo. Like, it's just wrong. So, that is that. Then high school ended, I actually applied to George Mason, but guess what? I was rejected, and that's when you, I got redirected to Nova, one of the top community colleges in the United States. So I went to community college, and I made two new friends have made a huge impact in my life. I was reminded, okay, well, let's go pray. Nova had a prayer place, but my high school didn't really have a prayer place. And she would tell me, okay, let's go pray. I'll pray on time. And the MSA, Muslim Student Association, that's what MSA stands for president at that time gave us a huge copy of the quran like it's really big that it had english translation from the arabic and then underneath like each page is a huge detailed explanation of the chapter aka the surah the ayah aka the verse and to me it was like a huge blessing because i would open the quran i would read it and every time i would read it i felt like someone like I'm finding myself in it. That I was able to connect with with someone. And we believe that the words of the Quran is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Being recited down to Jibreel. Which was told to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And obviously we cannot study Quran without studying the sirah. The sunnah. A.K.A. the life. The way that the Prophet peace upon him lives. So that's when the whole awakening to Islam started. It started actually in my early college years and let me tell you when i entered college i was still that kind of girl who wanted to have fun to be liked by the guys to get out there have you know the college experience that a lot of college students want to go through and another thing that is you might find interesting in 2008 i believe it was my first time actually smoking the hookah and my friends and i we went because in syria and middle east is kind of normal it's part of the culture even if you wear the hijab, it's normal. So, 
And I wasn't wearing the hijab back then either. So when I came back home in Syria, I told my mom, I was like, oh my gosh, guess what? I just smoked hookah. Like, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> and she was so mad. She was like, no, never again. It's so bad, you know, because she thought culturally what people will think of me, it's bad. But I said, what the heck? Like, everyone is doing it around me, around us, and like they're my age. So why can't I do it? And she said, no, you're still too young for this. So when I started Nova, I continued that like hookah lounge whatever you want to call it, atmospheric life, you know, going out, having fun, you know, easy classes, no need to worry about anything, all that fun stuff. One of my friends knew my struggles that I've had in high school. Like, she's new to me, she's a new friend, but I told her my struggles and that I really want to lose weight and something I've always struggled with. I never liked the way I looked, never liked my body. And then she said, Ola, stop, in two months, you can do this. And I was like, what, in two months? Like, there's no way. Like, for four years, I've been struggling with weight loss. How in two months is going to happen? So we started going to the gym. She started training me. She, I got in the whole no pain, no gain mindset. So I got, at the beginning, I was very intimidated from the gym. Not going to lie. I used to track, I used to run track and field, yeah. But nothing like weight, hardcore, like lifting. But then when I got into it, my mind started getting, my, my mind started improving. My mindset around my body started improving. I started seeing my physique improve more. My curves coming out more. I started loving my body, enjoying it. And my whole like bulimia episodes kind of disappeared. And that's what helped me overcome throwing up. Because I, I loved the way I worked out and how I felt after the workout. So I didn't really need to throw up anymore. However, there were a few days here and there I would overeat. And then when I overeat those days, I'd be like, why am I doing this to myself? And I would go back to the Quran. I would go back to the Hadith to find connection like islamically of why it's not good for me to overeat like for example the hadith that talks about the one-third to fill your stomach of water one-third to fill it with food and then one-third to fill it with air and obviously like and there's another hadith that talks about how the person who overeats in this world will be like hungry on the day of judgment something like that so i'd be like subhanallah like islam is already talking about binge eating stuff like i would just find connections of fitness, health, back to my faith, and I would feel so happy about it. And then one day, I at the gym, I did the weightlifting deadlift, and it went really, really wrong. So I was out of the workout for three months. I went back to the same doctor. She gave me high dosage of anti-inflammation medications, and I was out of the out from the gym for three months. I couldn't work out. It's really bad, and I was really in pain. And guess which position helped me the most? to relieve the pain from my back. Do you want to guess? Okay, I'll tell you. It is the sujood, as in the prostrations during our prayers. In Islam, we pray five times a day and we prostrate on the ground. So prostration helped me a lot. And that's, we believe that we're closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we are in the prostration position. So subhanAllah, my back was feeling like so much comfort and spiritually, I was feeling so much more comfort. I would cry to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like, you know, whatever struggle that I was going through, I would just cry it out. And that was the year that my Ramadan was the most spiritual, uplifting Ramadan ever. For me, Ramadan was nothing but a month to lose weight. Nothing but a month of festives, eating. There was no spiritual connection. It was just culturally related. No Islamic related. But that year, when I pulled my back muscle was the year that I was like, oh my gosh, like a party is happening. You know that joy you get when you go to a party? And that was it. And the funny part, you guys, oh my gosh. So my Nova days were the funny, fun parts. I went to the court at least twice 
during my under early years of college because of my lovely speeding driving skills that I <laughs> have. And one of those days, like when I first went to the court for the first time, I was I was over 18, obviously, so I was an adult, aka that nobody could stand up for me. I had to stand up for myself in front of the judge. And it was the time that the concept of akhira, as in the afterlife, hereafter, came into my mind. I'm standing in front of this judge, trying to defend my case, and try to plead like I'm not guilty and what have, whatever. And, you know, the people like next to the judge, what have you, I would imagine them as like the angels or whatever. Like I would just connect these little things to like Islamic belief that we have. And early days when I found Islam, if you want to call it that way or whatever, reading the Quran more, I wanted to study more and more and more. So a lot of times since I finally got a car, I would drive from Nova, which was closer, which was close to a local masjid, um, as in mosque. I would drive to it myself and I would try to study more or find books that is relatable and just read it. And there were so many times I wouldn't tell my parents that I was there just because I didn't want them to know that, quote unquote, I'm wasting time. I'm actually studying at Nova at the community college or whatever. And despite all that like talk, I still had those days where I went out, had fun, smoked hookah. So like I, you might be like thinking, oh, what a hypocrite, whatever. But you never know what someone's journey is like. So we can't say, oh, this person is bad or this person's a hypocrite. Like they're praying here, but they're doing this and that over there. You never know what level they're at and where they are at, right? So that was also my early college years where the years that my friend and I did our first 5K, our first 10K, and then we both went to two different schools. She and I wore the hijab around the same time, but we both went to two separate colleges and I used to be the super 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 happy person super super optimistic person cheerful girl and then I go to Mason she goes to some other college and I flip life flip from like up to the down out of nowhere actually what happened is that I saw a hadith I'll be honest and the hadith talked about the punishment in the hereafter about preaching and not practicing and it was tied back to a Quran Oh, no, yeah, a Quranic verse about how can God be there for you if you're being hypocrite, like you're preaching but not practicing. And I took that hadith so literal and I started believing in it. And I was like, oh my gosh, God hates me. And the reason why I thought I was a preacher, it's because, let me be real here, when I started studying Islam, I would find this hadith, the narration of the Prophet, and I would go sometimes on Facebook, for example, and I would like post about it as a Facebook status, or like I would go and tell it to my mom, or go tell it to my dad, and what have you. So I thought by posting on Facebook, and by telling it to my parents, that I was preaching that hadith, that narration, but I wasn't like practicing it myself, and it's just crazy. I thought like I'm a hypocrite at that time. And I had to talk to actually a local imam about it. I had to talk to like a closer, a close family friend that is more practicing and has more Islamic knowledge, like help me understand it. But that was the beginning of like anxiety attacks. I don't know why it sounds so irrelevant, but my early Mason year, so in 2012, I was at Mason. It was like a fresh beginning, just like how Nova was a fresh beginning from high school in hijab, you know, got the freedom of attending more seminars because Mason had a lot of really good circles of Muslim students and so I would be like inspired by them I would be a little bit jealous of them like oh my gosh they're they have family who understands them they have a family who supports them in their 
Islamic knowledge seekings and what have you. And, and I didn't have that because at Nova, for example, when I was in my bed during the time that I couldn't work out because of my back pain, I would be opening, I would open the Quran, I would read it. I used to underline, I'm not supposed to, but I didn't know that, but I would underline like certain stuff that I, and I would take it like literal, like I would study it as if it's like an exam coming up. And my dad would come to me and be like, Ola, stop wasting time. You have to focus on school. You need to get your butt out of college and graduate and get a good job, you know? So these issues are still real for a lot of people who who are not like career, you know how, who, who have parents who tell them, no, like career comes first, Islam comes second. And they're trying to balance in the struggles of keeping up with all that stuff. So early 2012, I got my anxiety. I started like shaking out of nowhere. It was crazy. I can't describe how crazy it was. I would yell, I would scream. And my parents didn't know what the heck was going on with me. So we had to go to the emergency hospital. And the emergency hospital admitted me to a local mental health hospital where people have mental health issues such as schizophrenia. There was this person who had a schizophrenia. And, and what have you. And I was there by myself, like my parents, well, with other people, but my parents couldn't be in it with me. Like I was separate from my parents. And that was such a bad experience. It's so painful to talk about it. And I'm still really nervous to talk about this, but I, I need to talk about it. So I felt like I was crazy. Away from my parents, I would see a, a, a therapist and he'd be like, so why do you feel negative? Why do you feel like so sad and whatever and it was so hard to tell him like oh god hates me or you know like it was really hard to communicate to him and i thought i was going crazy at that time like that it, like you know like someone took over me and I'm, I'm just crazy i've lost it and it was really hard to talk about it so then i was prescribed depression medications I had to take it i had no choice we i had to see social worker my parents and i were we had like social worker meeting and I couldn't be dismissed from the hospital until I finished the prescription. And that is really hard to talk about because not many people know about it. So now people who are listening and who knew me back then from Mason time will be a little surprised. But it was the, the hidden truth, the hidden reality I was living in. I left the hospital. We were like, my mom and dad were like, okay, we're never going to talk about this. No one needs to, to know about it. It's okay. You know, you're a good person now, you're fine. But in, in good reality, I wasn't fine. My anxiety actually came back. My thoughts were still negative. I hated life. I was doing really bad in college. Like my biology classes got harder because I was still pursuing the medical technology program because I wanted to work in lab. And I thought that was the profession I wanted to go to. I was, I was never a career oriented. Like career, when people are like, oh, what are you going to do in your career? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like work in labs. I was doing really bad in classes. My grades were like C and lower. If I got a B, I'd be so... Like, it's a miracle. If I got an A, it was a miracle. So I hated my major. I tried to retake so many classes at one point. I almost, actually a couple times, dropped out of college. My parents, especially my mom, she was like, you know what? Drop out. Like, you're making us hate school because of you. And my friend that I told you about who was who knew me before Nova... Like before, I mean, at Nova time, and we both wore the hijab at the same time. We both kept in touch, even though we were both at separate colleges. We both have the same. We've had like similar struggles, so we kept in touch, like weekly calls, weekly checkups, and what have you. And because I was really depressed, really down, I've even attempted suicide. You know, because I hated life, and I would bring like a belt around my neck, and I 
would tie it and just leave. I just wanted to leave the world because I lost purpose. And my friend told me like, Ola, I miss the old. Per- I miss the old Ola. Why can't she come back? Why? Where is the old, the old Ola that I knew, who used to be so cheerful, who used to be so happy? Where is she? And these words are so hard to say, guys, but uh, they are actually the truth. And I told her like, I don't know where she is. I really want her to come back too. I miss her too, but she's gone. Like I can't get her back. Like there's, I couldn't see happiness all i saw at that time was nothing but black and gray like my life my future looked black everything looked gray like there's no hope there's no point in living there's no purpose none of it so since i was so negative my negative energy got into her and we she couldn't cope with me anymore that's how hard it is on and you have we have to be patient with that person but it was really really hard because i overdid it and i was like there's no point. I stopped caring about my body, about my health, everything like it's just is done. So then my mom looked up on Google like to see what's wrong with me, what could be the cause for my like negative thoughts and what have you. And she she read that, you know, it could be my thyroid, it could be my hormonal changes. So we went to an endocrine doctor to test my thyroid. My thyroid came up fine, alhamdulillah, but I was pre-diabetic and I was prescribed metamorphin. I was a bit overweight at that time and I was in shock that I've reached that level of health wise like i'm pre-what pre-diabetic and the reality hit me like hard i didn't realize the dangers that i've put myself into because i went back to food and there were so many days at george mason where because they have chick-fil-a and they have you know this little this building where it's separate from the other building where a lot of students were at so i would run away from that building because I didn't want to be around like other Muslims because I felt like hypocrite inside. I felt like I didn't belong with them anymore because I was wearing the hijab back then, right? Like that's when I started wearing it. So I, there's a one building that where a lot of like the prayer room is at. So I used to hang out a lot back there. Then I left it thinking like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be around other Muslims. Like I'm a hypocrite. I don't belong with any of these people anymore. So I left them. Or I left that building to go to the building that had a Chick-fil-A and I would buy it and I would eat like and I would find a quiet spot. And I would just eat like no one is watching me. And there were actually sometimes some days where I called my family in, in Dubai and I would cry to them like, I don't want to live anymore. Like, I just want to leave all this pain. I hate my major. Can I just come over to you? Can I like find a job? Can you please find me a job? Like anything just away from school. Like I hated education. And... Yeah, guess what? My mom's friend was trying to help me to get out of this mental mind of like dropping out of college. Like she's trying to inspire me to stay in college, to find what I'm good at so I can find a a different major, for example. Maybe I should switch to biology. Maybe biology is the reason why I hate why I'm doing so bad emotionally and mentally. And I was like, I don't know what else to switch to. You know, everything felt like it was forever because I've been like, it took me three years to finish community college. And then about like fourth year, Fifth year, I'm supposed to be like done by college by now. Everyone around my age was already graduating. Everyone around me that I knew was almost done with college. All my high school friends, quote unquote, were done with college. Like they're moving on with their life. They're getting a job. They're starting their career. And then here I am struggling to get my life together. And I was comparing myself a lot. And so (laughs) my mom's friend, she goes to my mom and she tells her, you know what? She's not a school person. Go get her married. I think that's the best way. And I was really mad and I felt insulted, to be honest. Like, 
what did you just say? Like, go get her married. Like, that's the only solution to my problem. And I was really mad. And I dropped out of like a couple classes. So I went from like full time to part time, lost a scholarship, lost financial aid. My parents and I helped each other to pay for my school, for my car, all that stuff. But to hear that, I was just really mad. So obviously, I continued with biology. And obviously, I graduated eight years later after high school. Exactly such a long dedication to my education. And that's where I shall continue my story into the second episode. This is the part one. Part one is why I'm so passionate about mental health, spiritual health, and physical health. Obviously, guys, as you saw... I've struggled a lot with body image. I've struggled a lot with weight loss, mental mind, like bulimia, eating disorders. I've struggled a lot with depression and anxiety, suicide attempts, like all of it. It's over. Alhamdulillah. I'm alive. I'm here. And that's why I'm here to speak up about these issues that women are still struggling with. And also men are still struggling with this. And so is our youth. Our youth needs someone to look up for. And... I want you right now to go into the mirror, to look at yourself and to say, I am beautiful. I am amazing. I deserve to be here. I have a purpose and a reason to fulfill. God created me. Or if you don't believe in God, then it's okay. Just say, I am here in this life to fulfill a higher purpose, to serve the world and to give back to others, to connect my families together and tell yourself, I am good enough. I deserve the best and I will work for the best of the best because I can do this. Please, just do it because your mind will believe in what you tell it. So I've told myself so many times in the past, I am ugly, I am fat, I am not beautiful, no guy will ever like me, I don't deserve to be here, and whatever. And obviously my mind believed in what I told it and it acted upon it. I didn't say positive words and so I didn't take care of my body now I say positive things I look at myself and I'm like I am beautiful man I you know I'm amazing and all this positive talk and it helps me to act upon it now don't get me wrong I still I still do get my anxiety a little bit here and there especially if I become too stressed out I still have my own fears I still have my own struggles until this day but now I'm a very much more stronger than I was before obviously I'm more mature now and that's why I want you to know that you can do it feel free to reach out to me to ask me any questions to if you want to share about your thoughts your struggles with me if any of this related to you I'm so glad that I'm able to speak up for you or if you know someone else please 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 share this episode and let them know that they're not alone it is okay to go seek a, a counselor it is okay to go seek a professional guidance high school days are not easy man high schools are not easy in any atmosphere whether it's a private islamic school or a private christian school or a private jewish school or a private atheist school i don't care what high school days the youth is struggling right now and we need that person we need that voice to tell them like don't give up you know i've all i've almost left islam myself i've almost even though i was wearing the hijab i've almost left it myself and i was in despair like like myself too i thought that god hated me that he turned his back on me that there's no point in life anymore and there's no point to continue until the birth of Bifi for Akhira came all about. And that's when life changed for me. 
for the rest of my life and that's when I will talk about in the second episode how it all came out how I found it and how Allah subhanahu wa found me through lectures on YouTube that I shall share with you on the second episode so make sure to tune into it inshallah thank you so much for tuning in do not forget to grab your free guide ebook on how to jumpstart your fitness journey and to keep it for life it has a helpful tips and steps to to follow it's easy to read through you can grab it in the show notes if the show notes for some reason doesn't show the link to it then please come to my instagram account and find the link in my bio to grab it if you have any questions make sure to email me at befitforakhira at gmail.com and keep it up stay strong you got this you got this my friend assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and till the second episode peace Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe today and leave a five-star review. You can also screenshot and share this episode with a family or a friend. Be strong, be fit, be fit for Akhira. <laughs>